Hey Hope family, what a joy to be with you today. I am so thankful for this time and so grateful. What a week in the life of Houston, Texas with the Strohs. It has been amazing just following everything that has been happening and just envisioning what it must be like for so many hopefuls who love the Astros and uh, it's gonna be an exciting World Series for sure. It has also been an incredible week as the newest Lou arrived. What a joy for all of us to get to celebrate with Steve and Christine. It has just been a thrill this week. And I'm honored to get to pinch hit for Steve today and to share in the Word of God uh, together with you. Really appreciate your prayers for Steve and Christine and their kids in this new season. We are just elated for them. If you're a guest with us today, welcome. We are so glad that you're here. Uh, welcome to a church that Shauna, my wife, and I love beyond words. And we are unbelievably grateful that you're here today and pray that God would just deeply and richly bless you and touch you in this time. Hope family, such a joy to continue our journey through the book of Matthew today. Let's pray as we dive in. Father, I wanna thank you because you are here, right in this space with us right now. You know each one of us one by one. You know the things that we did this past week. You know what we will do this coming week. You know every hair on our head, the Bible says. You are the one who has created us and looked over us all the days of our lives. To you we owe everything. Without you we would not be here. And to us from you has been extended a love beyond any we can even imagine. A grace held out to us beyond what we can fathom. The heart of a merciful, powerful, sovereign God who pursues us when we will never, ever, ever deserve it. So we worship you today. We love you. We are so thankful for this time that you have given us together and we pray that you will bless it now. We pray that your spirit will just speak to us and move in us and encourage us and make us to be more like you. Father, I pray that today would be a day of hope and encouragement and you would just propel us forward in our journey with you. We pray this with thanksgiving, with joy, and with anticipation for how you will speak to us now. In Jesus' name, amen. About 20 years ago, Shauna and I first arrived in South Sudan. It was January of 2002, and I remember that moment vividly. Actually, I was incredibly sick uh, coming in uh, the night before and even on the plane flight, I was a bit drugged and a bit out of it. So to say I remember it vividly says something because my mind was not functioning on all cylinders, but I remember stepping off that plane and looking at this brand new world. I remember going to the place that would become our home the following year in 2003. 
I was still so sick for the first three or four days I could I could barely leave our mud hut and Shauna would go out to the village and when she came back she was just beaming every day she was beaming she was so excited to be there and it brought me so much joy it was a, this was a survey trip for us we were praying about if God would have us be there long term and I just kept looking at Shauna day after day and I thought this is the hand of God this this must be where God is calling us as missionaries and when I went out my own heart leapt it was abundantly evident that South Sudan was our calling and has been a calling over us ever since we often say that we think as best we know it will be a life calling uh, for us that uh, really for me uh, began back in 1998 but those days of seeing Shauna there and seeing her come alive and seeing that place confirmed for her and me was incredible we moved right there the following year and I began to learn so much about the culture and the people. One of the things I learned quickly was that they had an amazing way of knowing the name of every single tree. Now, you might know the name of an oak tree or maybe a palm tree or some major type of common tree, if you're like me in the States. but. For the South Sudanese people, they know the name of every single tree and plant and whatever is out there. I remember they would they would call me over and they say, Peter, what's the name of this tree in English? I said, I don't know, I just call it a tree. No, no, we want to know the name. I said, I'm sorry, I don't remember. What about this one? I'm sorry, I don't think I've ever learned it. What about this one? And they just began to laugh. I also learned so much about farming in those days. I remember our friend Dokrondo was out uh, planting his peanuts, which they called groundnuts or g-nuts. And so I went out to help him. It was a fascinating process of taking your shoes off and, and using your feet to cover the dirt over the seeds. And I remember such anticipation as I used to look over his field throughout the, the rainy season and just watch those seeds germinate and the peanuts come up for the following year and just marvel at this world that God has created. It also gave me so much more appreciation for the culture in the New Testament times where they also would have been keen farmers and very in touch with the land, which makes a lot of sense with stories that, that Jesus would tell like the one that we're going to read today. So if you have your Bible with you, let's look at Matthew chapter 13. Now we're doing something a little bit different this week in that we are going to focus on the first part of Matthew 13 and then skip some verses and then uh, go to the next section. And that's so that we can pick up both the parable, the story Jesus is going to tell, and also the interpretation uh, for that parable. And then the passage in between, uh, we're going to touch on separately. It's also very important and relative. We're just going to do it at, a, at another time. So let's begin the story here in Matthew chapter 13, verse 1. That same day, 
Jesus went out of his house and sat beside the sea. One of the things about the scripture is you can read a verse like this and just kind of fly through it and fail to appreciate what it's trying to say, which is that Jesus was already doing a lot of teaching as you've been with us, as we've been going through Matthew and going through chapter 12. We were picking up on some of the teaching that Jesus was doing there. He was already with the crowd of people. He had already been teaching them. That same day, Jesus went out of the house where he had been talking with them and he sat beside the sea. Now, this could have just been to get some rest. I cannot even fathom what Jesus did, the workload that he carried with such grace and, and, and such joy. That he went out and sat beside the sea. That would have been the Sea of Galilee there. And great crowds gathered around him. So Jesus was known as a rabbi, as a teacher. In the Jewish tradition, crowds would flock to a teacher to, to learn from that teacher. And there were all these different teachers, all these different rabbis who would have their own crowds. And the crowd would follow one rabbi or maybe shift to another rabbi, try to learn from whoever they, they could and become essentially a disciple um, of a rabbi. So great crowds gather around you. They're flocking him. They wanted to hear what he was going to say and see what he was going to do so that he got into a boat and sat down. Now, Jesus had already been teaching. He'd already been busy, probably was tired, but great crowds came, and you can just see the compassion in the heart of Jesus. He went into a boat, and he sat down so that he could teach them some more. It was the tradition of the rabbis to sit when they were teaching was probably also a good thing to allow Jesus to get a little bit of rest. We think that the location here might have been sort of a natural type of amphitheater where Jesus could sit in a boat just at the edge of the water. The, the people there could be on the shoreline. And because of this natural amphitheater, uh, huge crowds would be able to, to hear what he would say, obviously without any microphone in those days. So great crowds gathered around in verse 2. So he got into a boat and he sat down and the whole crowd stood on the beach. Again, a, a classic, typical scene for a, a Jewish rabbi and those who are trying to learn from him. Now, that whole world was going to get blown up in coming days when Jesus would die on a cross. That is not what happened to rabbis. And soon enough, people would begin to realize that this was truly the Messiah of the world, the promised one. The was who was to come to redeem them from all of their sin and the, the death which they deserve. Because all of us have walked in sin. Every one of us. The Bible says that we have all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. God in his infinite love and mercy sent Jesus to be cloaked as a as a human and come in the culture and tradition of those days and to walk among us on this earth, living a perfect life, but then dying on a cross. This radical Roman type of crucifixion reserved for the worst of the worst. It, it, it didn't get more horrible than, than dying on a cross. And he did that to absorb the wrath of God and to take our sin away, to become that perfect sacrifice. If we will believe in Jesus, 
if we will surrender our hearts and lives to him, if we will repent of our sins, and we will cast ourselves entirely on him. Jesus rose from the dead, and one day if we are in him, we also will rise from the dead and be with God forever in heaven. And until that day, if we believe in him and surrender our, our lives to him, we are filled with the presence of God, the Holy Spirit who, who stays with us and gives us his joy and his peace, and he transforms our lives. He changes us in ways we cannot ever even fathom. This is a glorious story of what God has done for us through Jesus. And this is exactly what Jesus is going to hint to the crowd about now. Verse 3, and he told them many things in parables, in stories, which is so common in the culture of that time. It's common in Africa today. I mean, even in the Western world, we tell a lot of stories. He told them many things in parables, saying, a sower went out to sow. So here's the farming analogy. A sower went out to sow, and as he sowed, some seeds fell along the path. Paths would just wind their way everywhere. So you might be in a garden, uh, but some of the seeds might fall, especially the edge of the garden, perhaps, on a path. And the birds came and devoured them. The seeds were exposed. The birds just picked them up. Other seeds fell on rocky grounds. Now, the soil around that area where Jesus was at this time, there, there was a thin layer of topsoil, but there was plenty of rocky ground. So that would have been common to them. Other seeds fell on rocky ground where they did not have much soil. And immediately they sprang up since they had no depth of soil. Again, just that thin topsoil. But when the sun rose, they were scorched. And since they had no root, they withered away. Other seeds fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked them. Other seeds fell on good soil and produced grain, some a hundredfold, some sixty, some thirty. He who has ears, let him hear. Now, you might be able to imagine one of the people just sitting there listening to the story and thinking, what in the world does this mean? You've got four different types. You've got the seeds on the path, the seeds on rocky soil, the seeds among the thorns, and the seeds on good soil. So what does that mean? And then you have the seeds on good soil producing grain 100-fold, 60-fold, and 30-fold. Those were incredible harvests. Incredible. A typical harvest might have been 10-fold. So 160, 30, they're thinking, this is a massive harvest. That is incredibly good soil. And then, he who has ears, let him hear. That was a typical phrase in that time. In other words, pay attention. Listen closely. Don't miss the truth of what is in here. If you have ears, which God gave you, then hear. Don't, don't just hear the words, but hear the meaning. Really, really hear and digest. And that's what we want to pick up on today. That middle passage, starting in verse 10, is a passage I alluded to earlier. We're going to touch on that uh, later, kind of take a deep dive into that. It is uh, an incredibly fascinating passage. I'm so look forward to us walking through that together as a church. Let's begin again in verse 18, where Jesus explains it for us. Hear then the parable of the sower. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom, so this is it, the word of the kingdom which is the good news about Jesus, which is the gospel, 
The word gospel literally means good news, the good news about Jesus. I think maybe it's the most understated term in the English language. It's a glorious news. This is eternity-shifting news. This is beyond comprehension, just how good it is. When we describe the gospel as good news, oh man, that is just soaked in goodness, what God has done for us in Jesus. So this is the gospel of the kingdom, the word of the kingdom of God. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what has been sown in his heart. The evil one is Satan. It reminds me of 2 Corinthians 4 where the scripture talks about how uh, Satan has blinded the minds of the unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel of the glory of God who is the image of Christ. They are blinded by Satan, those who have yet to believe. It's a great prayer, by the way, just to pray, God, will, those, will let the blinders come off for my brother and my sister, for my neighbor and my coworker, for those in closed countries around the world where it's not even safe for someone to talk about Jesus, for the unreached tribes, we let the blinders come off and just remove from them what Satan's trying to do to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel. It's a powerful, powerful prayer. I continue to feel this deep, deep conviction for us in America that one of the things God may bring against us the strongest is our lack of prayer. How much we lean on our technology, on our money, on our time, on our wisdom, on our capacity and capabilities, and how little we lean on Him. We so need Him, so desperately need Him. And I hope that above all else, it will be this prayer for the salvation of those who have yet to taste of the goodness of God and the gospel and what he wants to do to bring them into his kingdom. It's been interesting, by the way, in South Sudan, we're flying missionaries out to, to different places. As many of you know, South Sudanese missionaries, it's an extraordinary honor and joy we've had this conversation multiple times and some of the discipleship groups that i've been a part of where uh church leaders are are, are being discipled by by the missionaries that are coming out from our area of Mvolo. and it was incredible just listening to them saying you know one of the challenges we're facing here is that so many people are getting healed we're constantly seeing uh, miracles, but it, it's just hard to see people um, come to faith in God. And uh, they said, they said it's just so easy to to see miracles. We just we just pray really hard, and somebody gets healed. We pray really hard, and somebody else gets healed. And and they said we know this is this is just what God's doing. But but we we want to see people saved. We want to see people become born again. And I I thought, oh man, it's just such a far cry from what we often see in the states we just we just pray just a little bit for somebody who's sick and so we fail to see that miracle that that's there this is the heart of god this is the passion of god to see people miraculously healed and he wants to do the same for our salvation and and, and that honestly is is my question are we praying as hard for the salvation as we are for the the healing and i i, I hope 
two or three or ten times or a hundred times as hard because the greatest miracle is a salvation of the heart. And if there's anything Satan is going to want to stand against the strongest, that would be it. So this is the first thing Jesus is talking about. When anybody hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what has been sown in his heart. This is what was sown among the path. It's so significant to me too. And anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it. It's so important for us, isn't it, to really try to make sure we're understanding the, the truth, the reality, the way, the glory of what God has done for us. And, and as we convey it, try to help other people to understand it. Now, I often feel inadequate for that, and perhaps you do too. So we're just trusting the, the Spirit of God is going to work through us. It is never an excuse to say, I'm not good enough at sharing the gospel, so I'm not going to do it. We, we just share it. We just trust God is going to do what he is going to do. But there there has got to be a fire in us to say, I am going to study the gospel. I'm going to, to know it. I am going to be able to share it the best I possibly can. What I find is that so many of us never do our homework on it. And so when, when we as followers of Jesus are sharing with other people about the gospel, then we start to stammer a little bit. We think, oh, how do I explain this and, and, and what does this look like? So it's a great conversation to have within your discipleship group, with your, with your discipleship group leader and, and others there. And one of the ways we often like to break it down is just into God, man, Christ response. God who is perfect, has, has created everything perfect. He is holy and righteous. But man, God, man, man uh, sinned against him. And men and women ever since have always been uh, sinners and rebelled against God. So he sent Christ, Jesus, his son, to, to come and bridge the gap between God and, and humanity. Jesus did that by living a perfect life, dying on the cross, rising from the dead. And being that perfect sacrifice, he took our sin upon him, the response, if we believe in him, if we trust in him, and if we will repent of our sins and follow him. God, man, Christ, response. Picking that up, packaging it, learning it, being able to share it, and then doing all we can to help, help new and old friends to be able to understand the kingdom. Now, you may be here today uh, with us within our, our hope a family today and, and sort of exploring what it's like to follow Jesus. We are so thrilled that you're here. And I think these verses here would give such an encouragement as you're, as you're studying Jesus, as, as you're learning about the gospel, the good news of what God has done, really, really being dedicated and committed to understanding it as much as possible. And and even asking God, God, if you're real, we just help me to really understand this. I want, I want to know it. I don't want something snatched away prematurely. I want to really deeply understand it. That's the beauty of the, the first part. This is what was sown along the path. Verse 20. As for what was sown on rocky ground, this is the one who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy, yet he has no root in himself, but endures for a while. And when tribulation or persecution arises on account of the word, immediately he falls away. So there's just no 
root, there's joy when he first hears it. Oh, this is amazing. This is incredible. I want to I want to follow Jesus. That's sort of the immediate response. But but when there is tribulation or persecution on account of the word, immediately he falls away. Now, we may not experience as much of that tribulation or persecution on account of the word uh, today. It, it's possible you might be ridiculed in school or in the workplace or feel like some come against you. Maybe you're from a family with those who are not following Jesus. Certainly for, uh, for those who live in Houston who, who may come from a Muslim background or, or uh, you, you know, a, a, another type of background where, where the family may be staunchly opposed to Christianity, uh, certainly there's going to be more of that. In the time of Jesus, uh, there was a tremendous amount of persecution and in, in, even in future years after this that was going to spring up against those uh, who would believe uh, this word. And so Jesus is saying here, you've, you've got to have a, a, a root, just be uh, deeply rooted in the word of the kingdom so that you can endure uh, when, when those times of, of trials and, and tribulations come. Again, such an encouragement for us to make sure we don't just hear the word of the kingdom and kind of believe in it and, and, and move on. Sort of a surface level type of Christianity that so many within our, our culture uh, ascribe to. Uh, this idea that I'll, I'll just go to church when I, when I want to and, and you know, I, I can I claim to be a Christian, uh, but, but I'm mostly just going to live the life that, that I want to live. And I, I think there's sort of a, a strong warning here that when when hard times come and sort of push against uh, the kingdom of God, we yeah we might fall into other things, and so a prayer for all of us here is just to be deeply rooted in the kingdom of God and to to walk together with others as we're sharing the good news of the kingdom with them to encourage them to be so deeply rooted. Which which by the way I think is is really one of the powerful things about community, about, about showing up every Sunday, about, about being in discipleship groups, about a journey together with other people. Let's be deeply, deeply rooted together. Verse 22, as for it was sown among thorns, this is the one who hears the word, but the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word and it proves unfruitful. This one grieves me. Just this idea that the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word and it proves unfruitful. We're facing some of this right now in, in South Sudan where just there have been a couple times recently when pastors have come to me and, and said, Peter, we are really worried about uh, some of our colleagues, some, some, some others out here who are beginning to taste of money you know maybe they're they're working for you know some some group or organization or, or somebody who's there and, and beginning to taste of it and, and they're being tempted away from ministry they're, they're being tempted to to chase money because pastors have never had much in, in South Sudan and and I, I, even in the States pastors are typically not compensated as as highly as some in the business world and and so you may have, sometimes have the same thing in the States but but in a, in a context like we're seeing in South Sudan, it, it's just been really striking to me to watch those pastors who come to me and just begin to describe with pain how some of their colleagues are being tempted and, and, and pulled into that. And really, 
really has just got me thinking uh, the past several weeks about that temptation with, with money in general. And I think that's here, isn't it? The, the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word and it proves unfruitful. It's almost to me maybe the way of Jesus saying, this is someone who's, who's coming to the word of the kingdom, but the, the allure of the world, the allure of other things is, is pulling them away. They're, 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 they're not totally surrendered to it. You, you, you see, the, the power of the gospel, and I, I think the key of the gospel is that if, you, if you're going to be in, in Christ, in the kingdom of God, what comes with it is just this utter surrender, this simple surrender. The, 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 the same thing that would mark a, a young child who's going to be in God, or the most elderly person, the poorest or the, the richest, the most educated or the least educated, all coming together into the kingdom of God and just saying, my life is not my own anymore. I surrender it entirely before God. It, it's that depth of surrender that that will allow us to, to be protected from these types of things, the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches that are, that are pulling us away. It has been just a profound week out here this week. Talk about a, a, a week of, of celebration as uh, the first uh, ladies from Involo have have gone out as missionaries, uh, joining the guys, uh, going out, and I don't really even know how to describe what the moment meant to me. I've seen Shauna in the midst of of just such tremendous uh, hardship with her health. I just pour her heart and soul into discipling the the ladies in in Volo and beginning three and a half years ago just just pouring everything into them and as her body just became sicker and sicker she she just continued to give continued to give until it just was not possible for her to to be there anymore and and, and another brother has just helped to finish uh, their discipleship the really lengthy phase of discipleship that that is just now wrapping up and and I was there with them this week as we sat with these ladies and and um, they were talking together about they were talking together about which two ladies uh, were going to go out as missionaries the first ones to go out and I was humbled I was really really humbled it was just incredible and we we're talking about going to one of the hardest places in South Sudan at least one of the most unreached the, the place that's known as the that, that that some are calling the headquarters of of the devil I mean it's just a, a, a place where there's a lot of witchcraft and And, and then these ladies are, are, are just talking together, and, and, and one lady just, just real quick, she's like, I'm, I'm in, I'm gonna, I'm gonna go. 
what about my young child? I, I, I take care of my child. And, and we said, just bring, bring your child. That would be amazing. Just bring your child and, and go together. Another, another lady uh, quickly spoke up and as we were talking together and, and, and she said, I'll go, I'll go, I wanna go. And it was like the Spirit of God was just moving, just, just tapping the ladies he, he wanted out as, as the first group of, of two to go out. And so the second lady said, I wanna go. And she, she lives a long, long ways away. I have no idea how long she walks. Uh, just to come to the discipleship training in Impolo. I mean, I, I, I don't know. Hour and a half. I'm just guessing. It's a long walk, and um, and uh, they they said, well, uh, it, it's it's in two days. Uh, she said, okay, I'll, I'll be here. But they said, no, you you're gonna need to be here tomorrow evening because uh, the plane leaves first thing in the morning. She said, no problem, I'll be here. I mean, it's just this. It's just like yeah. Just tell me what to do. How can I serve my king? I, I just want to serve Jesus. It's like these, these ladies are doing something unprecedented. This is, this is not something that's historically been done with these ladies going out to far-flung places of South Sudan. They're going to one of the hardest places in South Sudan. And it's just like, yeah, just tell me when to be there. And I'm, I'm going to be there. And I don't even know how to put into words just the spirit of that that room and that place and that type of surrender. I tell you, those ladies are heroes to me. The way that they follow Jesus, I am so inspired by it. The cares of this world, the deceitfulness of riches, have nothing on the hearts of those who are completely surrendered to their King. What an incredible inspiration. Verse 22. As for what was sown on good soil, this is the one who hears the word and understands it. He indeed bears fruit and yields, in one case a hundredfold, in another sixty, and another thirty. Again, dynamic harvests. But those harvests don't come from us. First Corinthians 3, Paul planted, Paul is one of the missionaries, Paul planted, Apollos watered, another brother in the Lord, he watered, God made it grow. Paul's dynamic, he was incredible, he must have been phenomenally gifted and brilliant, but God made it grow. Paul planted, Apollos, who was incredible, he watered, but God made it grow. Again, the same type of metaphor, Paul planted, Apollos watered, but God made it grow, God made it grow, God made it grow. God made it grow. What happens in your life and my life, the fruit of our lives, the growth that happens um, in, in ministry with people who are coming into the kingdom of God or, or other things that God does for us, that's all God's. It's, it's all God's. We are not hung up on the harvest that happens through us. We are hung up on being faithful to our king. We're hung up on the process. The end results, that's just totally up to God. The Holy Spirit doing what he does, writing whatever story he wants to write. These ladies and the men who are going into 
such a tough area with so many unreached tribes. It's going to be so challenging to, to see people come to faith in Jesus. But that's God's work. They're going to plant. These missionaries are. They're going to water. And God's going to make it grow. He's going to do whatever he does. But this is the good soil. The one who hears the word and understands it cherishes it, loves it, takes a deep dive into it, tries to walk in the depth of the kingdom of God, does it in community so that we can learn from one another, doesn't fall into the traps on either side of the things of this world, stays wholly focused on the word of the kingdom, on the gospel, on the truth, on all that God has for us. In the midst of that, God will work through him to bear fruit. In one case, a hundredfold, in another 60, and another 30. May it be for us that in each one of our hearts, God will find that good soil as we cherish him and his word above all things. Let me ask you to stand. Let me ask our music team and our prayer team to come forward. It's been said to me before, Peter, so often when you're sharing from uh, the scriptures, it comes back to surrender, and that's so true. It's great insight. I think that's really the crux of what following Jesus is all about. It's our lives being laid down and him doing whatever he wants in us. I'd just like to encourage us into that prayer today of just asking God, God, Whatever you want to do in me, will you just do it? Whatever that means, whatever that looks like, will you do it? And when you give me a love for you and your word, that allows everything else to fall away. So that we can have roots and, and depth and the soil can just always be so good. If you're here today and not yet, of following Jesus, it would be our honor and privilege to get to talk together you know, with you, dialogue together with you. I want to encourage you to come to the front with those in our prayer team. If you are, um, whether you're following Jesus or not, a guest or a covenant member, either way, if you have anything you'd like to pray about, uh, please come. Maybe there are the things of the world that are, are trying to pull in on you. Maybe there are others that you're, you want to pray for deeper than ever before for them to, to follow Jesus. Maybe there's something physical. You want to pray for that miracle today. Maybe there's something that Satan is trying to come against you in. Whatever it is, we would be so honored, delighted, and thrilled to get to pray together with you. I'm going to pray right now. We're going to begin to sing, and then I invite you to come, and let's go to war in prayer for the God of the kingdom to touch us right now. Father, I thank you for who you are, and I thank you that you are with us. I pray in the name of Jesus against any distractions of Satan or anything that he would want to do to try to keep us from experiencing the fullness of who you are. Right now, I ask that your spirit would sweep across this place and touch us one by one. And go to the depths of our hearts and penetrate our defenses, uh, reach us and meet us in such power. God, I pray that you would speak to us right now. I ask that you would heal us. I ask that you would change us. I ask that you would give us a love for you like nothing we have ever had before. I pray that we would go deeper in you and in your word and in the kingdom. God, we just propel us forward into all that you have for us. Father, we are so hungry for you right now.
May your spirit move in this place and in this moment. May we be protected in Jesus' name against all the works of the enemy. And may we experience in power that beautiful stirring of your Holy Spirit. And may you receive all the glory. We love you so much. In Jesus' name, amen.